Is the Bible's account of Jesus' birth true? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So Brian, we are continuing our journey in the New Testament. This is good. Yes, and and uh, some people would say we finally got to Jesus, but as we know, that's not the case. That's right. I mean, hopefully we've been clear every single episode that we've, we've gone through on this. And if you're using the Gospel Project um, in your Bible studies, hopefully you are seeing that we get to Jesus every single exactly. week and that we do it in a logically consistent and truthful way that honors the text. And we would say that's the only proper way well, that kind of handle is. the text. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Jesus is not every rock, but some of the rocks are Jesus. Yep. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so today we are uh, we're jumping around a little bit. Um, we're we're continuing on from where we were last week. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the prophecy of and birth of uh, John the Baptist. Today we are looking, and which also included a final prophecy about the birth of Jesus mm-hmm. and what he was going to do, which was very exciting to see. Um, this week we get to look at the announcement of Jesus and his actual birth. Yeah, so our our journey through the Gospels, mm-hmm. the story of Jesus' life and, and ministry. Yeah, actually, we're not going to. I mean, we're starting kind of chronological, but even that we're not. We kind of jumped around a little bit with John. Now yeah. we're going to Jesus. Yeah. And as we move forward, we're going to kind of deal with it more in in some concepts of, um, you know, the miracles, yeah. his teachings. Yeah. It's just easier to kind of approach well, it, the Gospels that it way. It is, but it's also, it's also really helpful to understand that there's a degree to which that the Gospel writers themselves did that. They were organizing <laughs> events yes. to prove to, – to address a specific point for their audience. And that's an important distinction. A Gospel is not a – biography. Correct. Uh, Correct. We have to, we it's to, news. Yeah. So we have to understand that the gospel writers were not violating what we understand as proper biography telling. Yes. Biographical telling because they organized their content to make the case. Yeah. That Jesus is the son of God. He's the Lord and so forth. Yeah. And so we're going to kind of, of do that as well. Now, again, we're going to start yeah. and end in chronology. We're going to yeah, start here with the birth, of course, and with the death and resurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but in the middle, especially, we're going to kind of um, treat more in, in these themes. Right, exactly. And so one of the questions that we typically ask at the beginning of every episode, and we're going to ask this for a couple more weeks at least, um, but as we get more into Jesus' adult life, one of the things that we will be uh, changing our initial question of, you know, where does this fall in the Bible's narrative? Um, we're going to be changing that to more. Where does this fall in, you know, roughly in the timeline of Jesus' ministry? Yeah, his, his three, yeah. three and a half year yeah, ministry. Yeah, exactly. And so we're going to be trying to honor that 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 element as we even as we have these discussions. So mm-hmm. if you're feeling a little bit of jumping around, that's why. But uh, with all of that said, let's uh, let's answer that that first question the traditional way that we do, which is where does it fall in the Bible's Yeah, narrative? So this one, of course, is just after the angels announced the the coming births of John and Jesus. 
Mm -hmm. of course. Yes. Uh, And this would be Jesus' birth itself would be soon after John's birth. Yeah, give or take about three months. Yeah, he'd be a slightly older cousin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So John will be about a three-month-old baby yeah. at this point yeah. and that's kind of where we pick up yeah absolutely very cool so uh as we as we think about luke one and two and matthew one and two as we read and study those pass those passages what questions should we be asking well the first one is kind of a natural question that, mm-hmm. that sometimes maybe we we don't think of but I think if we're reading this for the first time or if we're walking through an, an unbeliever or a new believer mm-hmm. and they are hearing this for the first time, it's a question they would have. When did this happen? Right. I mean, on, on a calendar. Yes. When did this happen? And and the best we can determine, I think, between 6 B.C. and 4 B.C. is kind of the standard. Yeah. Uh, those dates are arrived at by looking at the other events going on in the world, who was reigning, who was yeah. ruling and so forth. And the best estimate is that Jesus was born anywhere from 6 to 4 B.C. in in that window, not zero. No, I mean, that was I mean, keep in mind the the date of where we put zero was a guess that happened about 700 ish years after the fact. Yeah. So um, that's when the Gregorian calendar was put into place. So So um, a long time after. Yes. And the other part of that is, was he actually born on December 25th? And that's a question. And yeah. the truth is, is we don't know. We don't know. Now, some people would say strongly, oh, no, there's no way, of course, because December 25th was chosen uh, as a Constantine who chose it. And um, it was a, a pagan holiday. And yeah. so it was done in a, in a way to divert yeah, attention. Although, although, really, if it, if they wanted to, to, you know, usurp the pagan holiday, they would have done it on the 21st. Yeah. Um, you know, on the winter solstice. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, there is an argument for it, for possibly yeah. spring. And, and, yeah, and I don't want to discount the no. the, the, the concerns or yeah. the, the raised eyebrow, at least, for December 25th mm-hmm. not being. Mm-hmm. Um, my only thing is I would be careful about us definitively declaring, oh, we know it can't be or it was not. Right. I, um, I think that's just going too far. Yeah. So some people think spring is more natural. That's probably, in my estimation, the more widely believed uh, time frame. We just don't know. I mean, some people talk about, well, the shepherds, they were out. They, they wouldn't have been out in the in the winter. But I've heard, no, that, that's not conclusive, that sheep could have been out um, all year round, especially mm-hmm. these sheep probably would have been some of the sacrificial sheep for the temple, which is very fitting if that's, you know, the shepherds that are, are that the birth is announced to, if they were tending the sheep that were going to be sacrificed in, in the temple. That's really a rich picture there, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so we, we just don't know. No. And and so my encouragement would be just just hold this one loosely. Right. If you prefer one time period as another, that's fine. Yeah. I just wouldn't be dogmatic. Well, and I mean, if you want to dig into it as well, um, there's a book that uh, that is published by another publisher. So, um, but it's one you can get at lifeway.com. Uh, it is called The First Days of Jesus, The Story of the Incarnation by Andreas Kostenberger and Alexander Stewart. Um, and so that book um, actually goes through the the narrative uh, of it and is looking and does address the question of of the the birth and actually does make a case that it could have been December twenty December twenty fifth as well. So there's the possibility that 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 is the case. There's a lot more, um, you know, and we'll get to this when we get to when exactly was Jesus crucified as well. Yeah. Um, there, 
that one there there's some good there's some stronger arguments about a specific date and time there than the birth of Jesus. So things that matter, think, but things not to hold your like to to hold so firmly to that um, that you lose yeah. sight of what's most important. Which takes us to the second question because yes. the second question is the opposite. It is a question or an answer that we want to hold firmly to. Absolutely. And the question is, did the birth really happen the way it's described? Right. It's kind of the leading question we had for this episode. Right. And that answer is yes. And, and a resounding yes, and a very important yes, because scriptures and, and history attest to it happening. Uh, I understand there used to be some kind of mockery about the birth account because of the um, the census. Yeah, uh, historians, skeptics, and so forth said, "Well, there's no records of of a, a census like this. Surely we would have record of that." And then, from my understanding of it, we actually found evidence yes. of a census being done like this. Yeah, that tends to happen a lot. Yeah, I love that. those. It's yeah, and so um, and so for. A, a more in-depth look at you know the question of the virgin birth. We did an episode recently um, about in our in our doctrine episodes. Um, we talked about this yeah. at length, and so um, rather than us regurgitating that whole discussion and spending an hour <laughs> um, yeah. talking about that here on this episode, instead we, um, we just recommend go back listen to that one. Yeah, and just to be clear, that's yeah. the I mean, so history you know bears witness in scripture, but also you have. What you're intimating now, there are doctrines that are presented in the birth narrative that are critical. Yes, absolutely. Such as the virgin birth, the the location, being born in Bethlehem, the family line. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But all of these are essential. So if we look at this text and say, man, it just seems it's too fanciful. Come on, a virgin. Come on, the shepherds. And No, we hold to all of yeah. this. And it's vital that we do because Scripture says this. And so if we doubt this, then Scripture is untrue. Mm-hmm. And again, evidence has supported the birth narrative as we know it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so another question is, is um, why announce the birth to the shepherds? I mean, it's one of those things that it doesn't seem like it would make sense or that there's much of a purpose in, but it's, and it's, but it's a big deal when you look at it yeah. in, in the narrative. I mean, you have angels show up and singing <laughs> um, in the sky of revealing themselves to this group of, of yeah. shepherds. And, and that's significant um, because while, um, I mean, you could, you could make the case that it's like, you know, maybe this is a hint of, you know, Jesus' role as the good shepherd, um, what it really is and what we're going to see as we continue on through the narrative, um, both what's here and what uh, what we're going to talk about next episode and, um, you know, and probably and unfortunately do some skipping on um, as well is is just the the reality that Jesus had come from come for all people. And so he what his announcement wasn't just for a certain subset of um, of an individual group of people. It was for people from all around the earth, of all people groups, of all social statuses, yeah. of all backgrounds, you name it. So you got to remember, shepherds... Like, I mean, they, they, I mean, they, they were some, dirty. Yeah. Uh, just from work, doing their job. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, but they were treated as outsiders. Yeah, it was a um, lower class kind of yeah. responsibility. Uh, so, yeah, they were not... When you think about, okay, who who should be the first ones to hear the news of Jesus being born. You think of the religious leaders, you think of royalty and so forth, but for the shepherds to be first, God is saying something important. Right. Just as the first 
wants to hear the news of the resurrection being women, God is saying something really important in that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Nothing God does is by accident. Uh, he is intentional. And so here again, we see this snapshot that that the Savior is here, and he's not just here for the religious leaders. He's not just... And he's not just here for the nation of Israel, as we're going to see. Um, you know, so you see a picture of of Jesus being the savior of the Jewish outsiders. Anna and Simeon, he's the savior of the Jewish faithful. Uh, these two are just waiting. We're going to talk about them next episode, but they're just waiting. Yeah. Uh, they're anticipating the arrival of the Messiah. Uh, then you have the wise men who are not going to show up for a couple more years. Uh, as we know, they are not in the birth narrative. So if you have wise men set up in your manger scene at Christmas, don't do that. No, put, they put, put them on the other side of the house facing that way. Yeah, they got way. a couple of years to get there. Yeah, they got some time. Right. But, but here they represent affluent Gentiles. Right. Uh, and and that, so here we see men and women, Jews and Gentiles, outsiders, insiders. What God is doing here with these little vignettes is showing us that Jesus is the Messiah for all. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, so one of the big questions that we ask, and you know, at some point we're going to have to change this, this question <laughs> yeah, as well. So. Uh, but how does this point, how does the birth of Jesus point us to Jesus? Oh, Aaron, he's right there. <laughs> just, just read. He's, he's, right, he's literally right there. He's right but, there. Um, but I mean, again, we have to, we do have to have to remember that this is the long fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies. I mean, we see that uh, according to Micah 5, um, or in fulfillment of Micah 5, he was um, born in Bethlehem. Um, in fulfillment of Isaiah 7, he was born born of a virgin. Um, in fulfillment of Genesis 12 and 2 Samuel 7, um, he was from both Abraham and David's lines. And um, really, even in the um, in the announcement um, of of this, that it is good news of great joy for yeah. all people, um, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that greater promise that was given to Abraham yep. that he would have uh, he would have an offspring who would be a blessing to all people, and so that is that's what's there for us. That this is this is. God basically saying by sending Jesus, every single thing I've said was going to happen right there. Here it is. Here it is. It's happening now. If you were paying attention, you would notice. <laughs> um, and making it undeniable for us to say, and since I know you weren't paying attention, <laughs> here it is. So, um, So that's where we're at. But uh, now let's think about this passage, this, these passages, these chapters from a discipleship perspective. What kind of guidance can we offer in working through them with someone else? The first one is, is let's not take for granted that somebody is familiar with this story, this, this text, um, especially if you're teaching children, uh, preschoolers even more so. Uh, this may be their first time hearing mm -hmm. this. Um, if you are walking through again a new believer, uh, again we, we sometimes we're just too familiar with it, yeah, and we assume everybody else is. But let's not do that. Also, even if somebody understands the details, let's not assume that they've connected the dots. Um, so my encouragement is, you know, as you're discipling somebody uh, in a group, especially if you're leading a group, you always have to assume somebody there. This is new. Don't assume they understand it. In my experience, when I when I lead groups. Almost all the time, people are like, I'm glad you shared that. I was too timid to ask the question or something. Yeah. Um, 
but also if you're one on one, I mean, yeah, have ask the person, hey, how, how much of this are you familiar with? Let's as we de- dive into it, but just don't assume they already know it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, the second thing that um, we need to keep in mind is that this really is a great opportunity to remind those who are familiar with the text um, that we need to guard against thinking that we have it all covered. Um, and so while someone may understand the facts of, of, of the account, there should always be um, a recognition that there's there's a always more to, to mm-hmm. learn from it, but B, that there should be this sense of awe, of wonder, of mystery that that is that is present there. Um, and so we should um, always when we look at this, when we when we when we really dig in and, and say, OK, wow, God fulfilled all of these promises. Yeah. Number one. And then even more greatly that it's like. Wow. God himself, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who makes everything and holds all things together, um, who is everywhere and knows everything and has all the power and all the say and all the everything, um, who is completely unlike us in in very in his nature and being and um, and is better than we can possibly imagine became one of us yeah that's like that should always that should always create within us this this sense of awe this sense of of amazing reverence and gratitude and joy and to be honest it doesn't in me i take it for granted sure you know you just kind of move on and and but i think we would be better off as you're encouraging uh just to slow down and and considered anew, um, yeah. coming up from a fresh perspective as best you can, and and remember the first time you encountered this truth and the beauty, the joy, and, and fight to maintain that. Uh, yeah, we can become too familiar ourselves with the text at times to our detriment. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Brian, that's a great place for us to to wrap this discussion for today. So thanks for chatting about it, and thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. LifeWay's VBS 2020 is Concrete and Cranes, and it's all about building on the love of Jesus. Concrete and Cranes VBS features content for babies through adults with age-specific curriculum to meet the distinct needs of every group. You'll also find curriculum tailored for children and adults with special needs. So no matter the age, Concrete and Cranes helps uncover the truth that he who began a good work will be faithful to carry it on to completion. To learn more, go to lifeway.com slash VBS, where you can download free samples of program materials and join our free Directors Club.